Haven't you heard the Bible was written hundreds of years after the events that it describes, and it's riddled with errors? Today on the show, I'll be looking at the question, how did we get the Bible? My name's Hayden Clark. This has helped me believe. So I've heard some pretty wild claims about where the Bible came from or who wrote it and when they wrote it. Uh, Constantine wrote the Bible hundreds of years after the life of Jesus. What? Who wrote the Bible and when? No. So I thought it would be helpful if uh, today we discussed uh, how exactly the Bible came about. And so... uh, I won't be arguing for the historical reliability or even the theological reliability of the Bible, but just about how we got it, how it was formed. How did they decide which books, who decided which books, and and um, how did they decide which books would be included in the canon of Scripture? So, um, let's start with the Old Testament. So, the, the Old Testament Scriptures as we have them, um, were recognized as such as early as the 4th century B.C. and certainly no later than 150 B.C. And we know this because the Jews um, were convinced as early as the 4th century that God had stopped speaking to them through prophets. So the Old Testament scriptures were recognized as such because they were written down by well. What are what are what were known as prophets, someone who's speaking, um, someone who's the mouthpiece of God. So God said this, and here it is. Now they were granted the uh, granted the uh, ability to write it in their own words, or perhaps sometimes they were writing um, exactly what God had said word for word. Uh, we've already discussed that, but. The people believed they were prophets because they would follow up what they were saying with miracles. Uh, You see Elijah call down fire. Um, In the New Testament, uh, you see Paul and the other apostles performing miracles. That was to validate what they were saying. Jesus rose from the dead, validating his claim that he was the Son of God. So they would perform signs and miracles to back up their claim that they were speaking on behalf of God. And as early as 400 B.C., we no longer see that. It no longer happens. And they recognize it in their own texts. Um, They're still writing things down in, in, in other places. In, and I'm going to butcher the name Baruch or Barak 85.3. We see things like this. The prophets have fallen asleep. So the books of Malachi and Chronicles were the last books to be written before we enter into this period where the Jews no longer are, are recognizing prophets speaking on behalf of, on behalf of God. And these last two books were written around 400 B.C., so that's where that number comes from. Now, beyond that, somewhere uh, between 250 and 150 B.C., we find what's called the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And within that Greek translation are all the books that we recognize today as the Old Testament. So that's as um, early as it, those books would have been recognized and as late as uh, 400 or, or even later. 
all the books that we have in our Old Testament were recognized then, and we can compare what we have today with um, those older translations, and we can see that they're the same thing. So this is further uh, corroborative evidence um, of the authenticity of these books. This flies in the face of the claim that these books were written, you know, um, thousands and or hundreds or thousands of years after the events that had taken place. They were they they were written early, and all the books that we have today were written early. Now, moving on to the New Testament, where uh, the majority of skeptics spend their time, and understandably so, this is where we encounter Jesus, the central figure of Christianity. So it, it makes sense if that's where you want to focus in your um, skepticism or your objections. So, the skeptic might say, don't you know that the New Testament was written hundreds of years after Jesus? It was, it's been added to, and it was, I mean, some people honestly think that, like, the emperor of Rome or something wrote, wrote this stuff down, I don't know. Um, wild accusations out there. So, the New Testament canon, as we recognize it today, was recognized as such long before the Sinite of Hippo in 393 AD, where the formal church council took place, and they recognized it as such formally. Informally, it had just been commonly understood amongst Christians which books were the right ones and which ones weren't. And they're the same books that we have today. That's basically the argument that I'm making. And we can see this through um, early church fathers, early Christians, early church leaders in the letters that they wrote amongst themselves. So they're communicating amongst themselves um, giving instruction, giving encouragement, maybe rebuking where it need be. And in so in their letters, they're quoting the apostles' letters as if the apostles' letters are as valid as those Old Testament scriptures. Because in their minds, they were. Jesus had given the apostles, his 12 followers, the authority to speak and do signs and miracles on his behalf under his name, under his authority. So the apostles were the mouthpieces of Jesus, and Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God. And so anything he says, or his mouthpieces, the apostles say, is the word of God. So that, that was their line of thinking here. And we see this in the early church fathers' writings. So as early as Ignatius, who uh, somewhere between 50 A.D., many of the apostles would have been around, many of the letters were being written, between 50 A.D. and 115 A.D. <clears throat> That's when Ignatius was writing. And he quotes uh, some of the New Testament scriptures that we recognize today as the New Testament. Polycarp, writing in A.D. 115, he also quotes Justin Martyr, A.D. 100 to 165, Irenaeus, A.D. 180, Clement of Alexandria, A.D. 200, Origen, A.D. 249, and Athanasius, A.D. 367. All of these were long before, besides Athanasius, who's just before the Synod um, in, in 393, where they formally recognized 
the New Testament letters as scripture. So there's a lot of skeptics who think that there was this church council almost 400 years after the fact where they decided which scriptures belonged in the Bible and which ones didn't, and they just did it willy-nilly and um, of their own will. It's 100% false. As early as Ignatius in AD 50, between AD 50 and AD 115, we have uh, early Christians quoting the New Testament letters that we consider Scripture, and they're quoting them as if they are Scripture, as if they do belong in God's Word, as early as between AD 50 and AD 115. Okay, so this was not somebody 400 years removed from the fact, um, deciding what goes in the Bible and what doesn't. No, these are early Christians. As soon as the letters were written, the church immediately recognized them as the Word of God, as the word of God, because they knew that the apostles were the mouthpiece of Jesus, who was God. Just like the Old Testament prophets were speaking on behalf of God, the New Testament apostles were speaking on behalf of Jesus, and the early church recognized this immediately. And between these uh, seven references that I mentioned, all of the New Testament is accounted for. All the letters are accounted for. So they were all the letters of the New Testament that we recognize today as the New Testament were recognized as such as God's word very early on it's it's safe to say almost immediately. Now, one final question that is often asked is how did they decide? Um and when I say they, I don't mean some church council in almost 400 AD. I mean even the the early church uh, fathers, how did they know? How did they decide? Well, as I already mentioned, one test of what would go into be considered God's word, what would be considered holy scripture, what would be considered in the canon. Uh, one criteria was that it had to be apostolic. So the Old Testament, it had to be written or spoken by a prophet. And the New Testament, it had to be written or spoken by an apostle, which essentially serves the same function as a prophet. And so if the the letter was written by an apostle or the the letter was written by a, a scribe that the, but the apostle was the one speaking or if it was um written by somebody like Luke or Mark who was um, within the apostolic circle the inner circle with the apostles Luke um followed Paul around and Mark was with Peter so these are still considered apostolic in that sense So that was one test um, theological consistency. If a letter, um, if a if a letter was circulating that preached, say polytheism, I'm just pointing something out. Um, that was preaching polytheism, that is belief in multiple gods. It wouldn't be considered because they already had scriptures at, that were already treated as God's word that taught monotheism, belief in one God. Oh Israel, hear the Lord your God is one. So if a letter popped up that was teaching polytheism said and i don't think there's an example of this i'm just making this example up but if a letter popped up that was um teaching polytheism then they would discredit it because that goes against what we already know to be true so in other words it has to be consistent theologically consistent why because god cannot contradict himself second uh, corinthians 117 in 18 hebrews 618 and plus it just makes philosophical sense obviously if god's perfect he doesn't contradict himself 
And um, lastly, I'll mention that they had to be widely accepted. So another criteria was it had to be a letter that was already <clears throat> circulating early on, and everybody just knew that this was, you know, this was from Paul, this was from Peter, uh, this was from John, and we all know it, and so it's widely circulating amongst among the churches, and it was just already recognized as such. See, this is the thing. The skeptic wants you to think that somebody in 400 AD decided what belongs in the Bible. That's not what happened. In 400, almost 400 AD, they, they recognized um, they what they had already discovered. So it wasn't decided, it was just kind of discovered. It naturally happened because they were written by the apostles. And they knew it early on. And so Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians. This is a, um, a pretty good description of what I've been talking about. And Paul says it directly in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He says, This is why we constantly thank God. Because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, that is Paul. So Paul's saying that I'm speaking the word of God here in these letters. You welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. And another place in scripture, and gosh, I didn't write it down. First Peter, second Peter. Peter um, is talking about the Old Testament and, and how it is a authoritatively the word of God and then in the same breath he talks about Paul being on this on par with the Old Testament Paul's letters he he talks about how Paul's letters are circulating and, and that they should be recognized as word as, as the word of God as well so this is not just an idea that theologians or philosophers of religion are putting together to try to make their worldview coherent this is actually what but the apostles themselves, they knew that they were speaking on behalf of Jesus and that these letters would be taken as the word of God. So in conclusion, the purpose of this, art, this, uh, this I almost said article because I'm reading off my blog. <laughs> but the, the purpose of this, this episode is to show that this idea that, that this was, that the, the, that the Bible, that the New Testament was decided arbitrarily by some church council in almost in nearly 400 AD almost 400 years removed from the events that it describes it is just patently false it, it's historically false like we know that that isn't the case it's empirically false it's demonstrably false however you want to say that it did not happen and we know it didn't happen so Someone's popping up in your comment section saying this sort of stuff. It's just nonsense. But I see um, celebrities or people who are on TV or, or popular YouTubers will say this kind of junk, and it's like, it's it's not true. And we historians know that it isn't true. And I, I don't get it. But anyway, um, the purpose it wasn't to argue that the Bible is God's word or that the Bible is historically reliable. Haven't done that yet. It's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing that the Bible formed naturally and early on because the early, earliest Christians, including the apostles themselves, recognized that they were the mouthpieces of Jesus. So, in the next episode, we'll talk about the historical reliability of the scriptures. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you're listening via podcast, be sure to subscribe there as well, uh, wherever you get your podcast from, and leave us a review on the podcast. 
um, an honest review. I won't beg you for a five-star review, but just uh, leave a review. It helps out. And if you uh, want to watch a bonus segment, head on over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash help me believe for more videos and, and more exclusive stuff. Um, or you can just follow the link in the description below. And uh, we will see you next time, guys. Thanks so much for watching or listening.